Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast. We are so glad you're with us. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we have a wonderful guest with us today. This is Tom Hobson, former pastor who's worked in the Christian world for a number of years that has a heart for the Mormon people. And he's recently written a book, The Historical Jesus and Historical Joseph. I hope I said that right. You'll correct me, I'm sure. Tom, please introduce yourself. Yeah, and tell us a little bit about your background and where you've come from spiritually and, yeah, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, so my thanks to you, Joel, and to you, Lynn, for inviting me on board. Um, yes, I am a, a St. Louisan. Um, a, a lifelong um, Presbyterian of various types, um, but uh, I came to Christ uh, in my high school years in 1973. Uh, I, I wanted to know God. I tried my best to try to earn my way to God. It's the only way I knew how, how to do things, but I, uh, I never felt like I had done enough. Uh, and finally, we got a new um, associate pastor that gave me the missing part of the puzzle, which was Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. And when he shared those words and explained what grace was, which I didn't understand, the lights all came on for me. And from that point on, I knew that I had salvation, not through what I had done, but through what Christ had done for me. Four years down the line, um, our youth group took a uh, a trip from St. Louis to Oregon, and it, wow. was on, yeah, <laughs> it was on that trip that I met my wife in Oregon through a miracle of God's sovereign engineering. But on that same trip, I met the LDS. I, uh, our youth group spent an overnight at a church in Ogden, Utah, and while we were there, uh, the local pastor um, gave our youth group a, a stuff we had never heard about uh, about the Latter Day Saints, and they, they you know, just blew everybody away. So my heart went out to the LDS, and I'd already felt called to ministry uh, on, from within two months after I was saved. Well, from within two months after I met the LDS, I began feeling that God was calling me. I thought. Um, to serve as a Protestant pastor in, uh, in Utah or nearby. And so I began preparing, crammed all the LDS theology I could. I learned all that I could about the culture, and I was just preparing like a missionary. Yet for the next 40 years, God never opened a door to a church in that wow. area. And so uh, at the end of that time, uh, um, I, uh, the last four years of ministry, I was serving as a Bible college professor as well as being a pastor. Um, I, uh, when I retired, my wife and I spent two months, fall of 2018, volunteering, helping to start a Christian coffee house uh, down in Mount Pleasant, Utah. And while okay. I was there, yeah, while I was there, we, uh, I was blogging regularly on LDS 
um, subjects. When I got home, a, a fellow pastor, friend of mine, Don Everts, said, Tom, why don't you put all these blogs together into a book? And I thought, ooh, I don't <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> well, it's not, it's just, it's so hard to find a publisher. And then if you do find a publisher, it's so hard to mark your book and the like. But yeah, the book practically, uh, 80% of it was written in the first seven weeks. Um, and God did That's supply. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. God did supply a publisher. And the funny story is, is that uh, soon after the publisher accepted my book, they almost dropped it. They were going through the manuscript and they thought, no, this sounds like a pro-Mormon book. We're a Christian publisher. We can't publish anything pro-Mormon or pro-Jehovah's uh, Witnesses. And I said, no, 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 you, you got it wrong. And so I showed them. Finally, I convinced them that even though it was very gentle with Joseph Smith and very gentle with the issues involved, um, I, I convinced them, no, this is not a pro-Mormon book. Um, but they did insist that I put an introduction at the beginning to make that clear in case it wasn't clear. So, and your publisher is? Um, we're, uh, it's a division of HarperCollins Christian. HarperCollins Christian, Zondervan, and Thomas Nelson are all together uh, in, in one company, or, you know, they're all linked together in uh, one unit. Like a consortium, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they all use a, uh, a website uh, called churchsource.com. That is their company website. And it's the first link that you'll come to uh, on the, the book's website. My book's website, the name itself is a gift from God, uh, historicaljoseph.org, historicaljoseph.org. Um, the website contains a, a complete summary of all 14 chapters of the book so people can get a good idea of exactly what's in it without giving away all the secrets. Um, uh, there's also all of the blogs that I've written, and many of them are on subjects that aren't really talked about in the book, but the, uh, my uh, blog posts are all on that website. So what's the name of your blog? I call it Hobson's Biblical Choice. Okay. <laughs> um, although, you know, yeah, I, I have two websites. The, uh, the other website is called biblicalethic.org. Okay, that's um, the one I was on. So, yeah. I, mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, uh, but then uh, everything I wrote about Mormonism on there has also been put onto historical Joseph. So I have a question, Tom. I'm going to stop you for a minute because yeah. I think this is something that Mormons will be interested in. You've alluded a couple of times to the fact that God was somehow involved in this book coming, and even in the name of the website. Yeah. Do you want to briefly um explain how god sometimes works oh boy that's the toughest that's not on your list no <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're allowed to go off script on no, our no, question no, actually so. uh, uh it uh, i think in my own story i really wondered what god was up to at all why did god put this uh burden on my heart for the mormons or for the lds and uh you know i sometimes i even looked at the story of paul um, God had put it into Paul's heart to go to Spain. From what we can tell, we're almost 80% certain that, God, that Paul never did make he it to Spain. never made it, no. Uh, but, you know, it's like he put in, it puts it in God's heart. Uh, God puts it in your heart to go from St. Louis to um, Denver. You may not make it, but God wanted to get you onto I-70. You know? <laughs> so, um, if there, uh, how do you know whether something is from God? You end up uh, having to see... Um, if, if something needed to happen and it happens, that increases my faith that, that something comes from God.
But then it's also, I know we'll be getting to this some point along the line, how do we know uh, that the LDS claims came from God or how do we, uh, you know, that, uh, how do we know that they, this is the God of the Bible and not some other um, personality out there? Uh, that's a different subject and we can go there if you're ready. <laughs> So who is your target audience? In other words, oh. who are you most hoping to help uh, by writing the book and compiling all this incredible information about both Jesus and Joseph Smith? Well, yeah, I, uh, my, my greatest hope is for it to reach as many LDS uh, people as possible, particularly those who do um, trust um, in Joseph. Um, but even uh, those who are having doubts are probably the best uh, uh, hope for where to get started. But I tried to be sensitive enough, maybe I was too sensitive, but I, sensitive enough in my writing to where um, I, I'm hoping that lots of Christians who have a heart for the LDS will acquire this book and e uh, either give it away, loan it, or um, uh, uh, whatever, uh, or even just simply absorb the contents and use them in their own uh, outreach, because this is what I would want to share. There's a collection of all the most important facts I would want to share with any LDS person or someone considering becoming a, a Latter-day Saint. I okay. think it's interesting. God waited 40 years in your life for you to write this down. You're probably well aware that folks are streaming out of the Mormon church and mm. have been for a few years now. And there are many people seeking this kind of information. Right. So um, I, I love to watch the hand of God yeah. work. Yeah. Well, and, and one important thing uh, about what you, uh, the movement out of Mormon, uh, Mormonism, unfortunately, uh, I was alerted to the fact that so many are losing their faith in Joseph and throwing everything out to where they don't believe. If, you, if they don't believe in Jesus, it's not worth leading them out of the LDS church. Uh, you end up with seven worse demons than you had if you cast the one out. So that's why I strategically, uh, from the get-go, uh, set my mind to writing the first half of the book, uh, beefing up our reasons to believe in Jesus before raising any questions carefully about Joseph. So what do you see then as some of those key historical evidences for mm. the person of Jesus Christ? Mm. Um, where do you go for sources? And what did you find are very strong evidence for believing in the historical Jesus and that what we know about him today is true or that we even can know about him? Right. Well, I want uh, another part of my strategy is that I wanted to um, to limit myself as much as possible to undisputable um, facts that you don't have to have religious faith in the Bible or in LDS sources to believe. Uh, so, uh, uh, with uh, with Jesus. You know, uh, I set my mind to proving that we can trust the Gospels. But going back to the historical bedrock, um, uh, there are the famous criteria of authenticity used by scholars. You don't have to believe in the Gospels as religious uh, doctrine to um, believe that this is historical uh, evidence we can trust. Uh, number one, the more sources you have, the better, particularly if they are uh, 
uh, independent and not carbon copying each other. So uh, multiple sources. Number two, unflattering truth. Um, you know, the Gospels will tell you something like that, G uh, that Jesus chooses a traitor as one of his uh, top 12 um, followers. I, who would invent that? And not only a traitor, a thief. He was yeah. dipping into the money bag for his own purposes. Well, but yeah. why would you invent this? Is yeah. The, yeah. So um, a number, and, and that criterion can also be used for LDS sources as well. Why would they tell us something unflattering about Joseph unless it was undeniable? Uh, number three, uh, information that makes Jesus stand out uh, uh, from Judaism and from the early church, if possible. If he stands out from both, then it's kind of like, oh, this was not invented. They weren't just painting a Jewish picture of Jesus or a, you right. know, an early church picture. So if uh, information makes Jesus stand out. Number four, uh, information that fits with what we already accept as true about Jesus. And then finally, number five, if this information explains why Jesus gets killed. You can also use that one for Joseph on occasion, um, uh, but you have to read the book on that one. And, and so you and found that using these criteria of authenticity, Jesus comes out as an authentic person and the accounts in the Gospels then are reliable, are trustworthy. Sometimes you're on historical bedrock, and sometimes you're close enough that you can take it on faith because um, you found the Gospels to be so true in every other respect. But the things that uh, tur uh, turn out to be the most important is that in chapter 4, I talk about uh, the biggest claims about Jesus, that he was virgin-born, he claimed to be God, and he rose from the dead. Okay. And, yep. and for LDS, I would make the point that these evidences don't come from the Bible to support the Bible. You're talking about external, secular, scientific, and historical evidences, correct? The, the, the point is that what is in the Gospels turns out that, that you don't have to believe them with religious faith to see that internally they are consistent and these things, uh, this stuff, this material would not have survived or come to us if, uh, if it uh, was not recognized to be true. You know, I don't have in hand the evidence that shows me why Christians in the first century recognized these four Gospels. I wish I had that, but um, I, I, it, it hangs together um, strongly enough that I, I believe this is just as good as if we had police reports out there. And there are secular historians are mm -hmm. who, who do support certain parts of the Bible. And, and when I was LDS, I was unaware mm. that these things existed. And so I did a lot of looking into that. Mm. And um, it was very helpful for me to see, see the multiple evidences to mm -hmm. um, begin to think about who Jesus was. Right. Do you bring in... Um, Perspectives I, of LDS uh, um, prophets and apostles from time to time? Just from time to time. Uh, okay. Basically, uh, chapter 10 is my longest chapter because I spend uh, over half of chapter 10 um, uh, dealing with the questions of the great apostasy and whether uh, any uh, uh, was the Bible translated correctly? Were plain and precious truths taken out of the Bible? And was the biblical church, uh, uh, did it resemble in any way today's LDS church? Uh, so I made for a long chapter. And I yeah, did that's a lot of ground to cover. Mm -hmm.
Oh, it was, uh, I was thrilled to cover it. Um, you addressed a couple of um, common topics when we're talking about LDS, one of them being polygamy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, marriage is the subject in chapter seven, and I need to be very upfront. Um, I say uh, God's standard in the Bible, uh, this is uh, in Genesis, Jesus and Paul, the two shall become one flesh. Every type of sexual sin doesn't fit that mold. Uh, Jesus says the two shall become one. That does not mean the three or the four or more. However, I don't get into a debate about that in chapter seven. I, make, I observe that this is true. Then I go ahead and say, well, uh, God, uh, you know, it's obvious that God tolerated something that did not fit, just like he tolerated divorce, which Jesus said did not fit God's the two shall become one flesh, but he tolerated it. So for the purpose of argument, I went ahead and said, okay, um, Joseph Smith had a really good biblical sexual ethic in the Book of Mormon and in uh, section 101 of the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants. It was more specific than the Bible, ruling out polygamy entirely. Very right. good position. He throws it out the window and brings in this new and everlasting covenant, which we call plural marriage. Um, the problem is um, uh, he claims that according to the instructions, you can't take a, a second or third wife without the first wife's okay. And second, you can't take other men's wives while they are married to each other. Then Joseph continually um, breaks both of those. His own criteria. <laughs> right. And so therefore, and that, these are, this is undeniable stuff. Um, all we have to do is go to the fact, you know, even, even the LDS Historical Department's uh, history book on Joseph from two years ago confesses that, uh, that Joseph um, had these marriages and that he had to deceive his wife. I'm going to do so. Even faithful LDS have to decide, well, what, is this God commanding it? I have a pen pal that says that, he, uh, that God did command these things. Others are not going to go there, and then they have to figure out, well, how do we explain um, the, uh, Joseph? Can we trust a God and a prophet that's telling us stuff like that? Oh, heavy stuff. Yes. Well, uh, but I, I which, hope I got there gently. <laughs> <laughs> which really, which leads us to a, another thing that LDS are often concerned about is the idea about being married in the next life. So mm, marriage right. being so important, mm. whether you have one wife or a lot of wives, yeah. and that in the next life, right, polygamy is actually a good thing mm. and maybe necessary in the Godhood stance, we don't know. But that idea that you have a spouse mm. <laughs> that you're tied to mm. in order to have eternal life. Right. So I went to the temple for 30 years. I know very well that in Mormon theology, it's not Jesus who resurrects me. It would have been my husband. Right. And that I needed to be sealed to him forever mm. in order to have eternal life. Right. Um, so that I yeah. could live with father and my family forever. Now, I know you did cover the subject of race, which uh -huh. has been a subject that's been very sensitive for LDS people for the, over the years. And even the LDS leadership mm -hmm. uh, in the series of essays that started to come out in like the mid 2000s, where they started having to address some of these problematic 
historical issues. Um, so where did you come down on Jesus and Joseph Smith on this whole area of race? Well, it's obvious that both Jesus and Joseph lived in uh, ages that were far more racist than ours today. Um, we know that uh, it seems like a con it's tough to reconcile, you know, where Joseph says in the Book of Mormon, all are alike to God, black and white, etc., with the idea of dark skin is a curse. Um, uh, he, uh, he seemed to defend slaveholders uh, while he was in Missouri. Then when he ran for president in the year that he died, he, was, uh, he backs abolition. So which is the real Joseph? Is he doing either out of conviction or just strategy? I really, uh, the, the main issue with Joseph is you bring us a God who changes his mind on a subject. You can't have uh, the uh, uh, black, uh, black skin can't be a, a, uh, a curse and no big deal at the same time. But notice the early church also picked up on his uh, teaching that they, would, uh, that they must go to all nations. Did they invent that? No, we find it in three independent sources, I believe, uh, and it definitely does not fit the Judaism of Jesus' day. I believe right. they got their breaking down of all racial barriers from the master himself. Yes, and you <laughs> see that in Jesus' treatment of the Samaritans mm -hmm. who were um, racially mixed blood, um, they'd mix their blood, they'd mix their culture, they'd mix their worship with paganism. And so that's why they're so despised by the Jewish people. And yet Jesus goes so far as to make Samaritans the hero of some of his stories. Yep, yep. And, and we have the incident where he talks to the woman at the well and then goes ahead and spends a couple of days in, right in the middle coexisting with the Samaritan community, uh, preaching and teaching them and, and has a very receptive audience. He tells his disciples, hey, you get to reap or you didn't sow. Um, and I think that's a direct reference to the fact that they then, I'm sure the disciples were involved in some of the, the teaching and the training of these Samaritan people who believed. But yeah, when you look at the life and practice of Jesus, you see um, this racial inclusivism. Mm -hmm. And while he respects the Jewish priority in terms mm -hmm. of God's call, uh, it's something that is then opened up and extended. And I, I think you're absolutely right, Tom, that his disciples then, they, they, piggy, they build on that as they go out and then preach and say, no, um, it's, it's for everyone. It's the whole world. Um, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they did that against their own inborn instincts. Yes, exactly. Totally Why against else? how they were raised and brought up and brought to believe culturally. The well, Jesus. well, we're down you know, to just like the last minute or two. So, Lynn, you get the last question. Go ahead, jump in here. As you know, I taught diversity at BYU for a number of years, and I've, I've done a series of blogs on this topic, and so we will link to that. Oh, good. Here. Okay. Um, and Look for one, the show notes, people. One thing I would end as far as race and Mormonism is. You know, you can say that's behind us, but if you tell me your scriptures are pure truth and utterly reliable, and exactly. they say the dark skin is the curse 26, 27 times, mm. that's something that Mormons need to wrestle with. Can God wow. change that radically? And I do address that subject in the book. <laughs> Good. Well, um, Tom, where can people find your book? Go ahead and give us the title of the book, and then where can people find it, and then where can people find you? It's the historical Jesus and the historical Joseph Smith. 
and you can find it by going to historicaljoseph.org, historicaljoseph.org. And when you get there, uh, in the middle of the of the homepage, you find five links where to uh, where to find the book, including at Sandra Tanner's uh, UTLM bookstore. But then, particularly, the, the the lowest price can be found at churchsource.com, the place where you get uh, you know Zondervan, uh, uh, Thomas Nelson, and HarperCollins Christian. Um, so that's cool. where you can find it. And uh, there is a uh, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't recall that I've been contacted through the website, uh, through the one, uh, through Historical Joseph, but I have been contacted through the other site, um, biblicalethic.org. Okay. That's, that's one ethic. Org. All right. <laughs> biblicalethic.org. Well, great. Thanks so much for sharing with us. We hope that people will find the book helpful, useful. And thank you again. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for being so gentle for using kindness and gentleness and yet encouraging LDS people and anyone who would consider the LDS faith to work through these really important historical issues, not only Joseph Smith, but the historical Jesus and knowing that our faith can be in him. It's a wonderful um, way to use your brain and faith. Like I said, that was a huge aha to me. So I appreciate your walking people through that in your book. Well, and thank you for being part of who, uh, the, the means by which we hope to reach to as many folks as possible. Absolutely. And to our listeners, know that uh, you don't have to write down these links. Just go to the show notes, unveilinggracepodcast.com. And in those show notes, we will link to uh, Tom's blog and his websites. We'll link to where you can get the book. And we'll link to Lynn's blog uh, on, on diversity nice. and mm-hmm. multiculturalism as well. That'll be a great resource. Thanks for being with us. Grace and peace. Until next time. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilders book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm